Here's what I'm telling you. God is always trying to build a family. Satan is always trying to break it. Some of you need to know that it's not just you and your spouse and the Lord. You really do have an enemy in your marriage and relationship. Now, tomorrow we're gonna deal with a lot of ways you can see spiritual warfare in your marriage. But I believe this is a great overlooked category because here's what I think. I think that most of the teaching on marriage and family and sex and gender and relationship It is absent of the Bible, so it ignores the supernatural and the demonic. And as a result, people are getting attacked and they don't know why. And sometimes they think it's their spouse and it's not, it's the enemy of them and their spouse. Well, howdy, welcome to the Real Marriage Podcast. My name is Mark. Hi, this is Grace. And uh, we're really honored to have you. Welcome to the uh, Win Your Marriage War series. And during this season and this series, We're working from a book that we co-authored called Win Your War, and we're looking at spiritual warfare as it pertains to marriage. And these talks were recorded at one of our favorite churches, uh, James River Assembly, an Assemblies of God Church in Missouri. And we had the honor of doing a marriage conference and retreat there. And so thanks for joining us for the Real Marriage Podcast. One, two, three, here we go. So let's look at this. So Genesis two and three. We're gonna look at the first marriage, the first family. A man shall, what's the word? Single guys, if you're still living with your parents, don't go home tonight, that's over. You gotta find another place to sleep. You're done, leave, okay? How many of you parents, that was the only word from the Lord you really needed tonight. You got your, your money's worth. Move son, okay, move. A man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, pursue her vigorously. The two shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both what? It was very quick. Found a lot of people's life verse. Uh, Naked. Every time I do this in Texas, they call it naked. I don't know why. So, the man and his wife were naked and they were not what? Ashamed, that's God's intent for marriage. We bring so much shame into our sexuality and into our intimacy, and all of that is because we've been attacked by the serpent. Before he showed up, there was no shame. Now the serpent, Revelation tells us that that is Satan, said to the woman, okay? So he's gonna have a conversation with Eve. And again, does this seem rather normal? How many of you have read the story many times and never really asked, why is Eve not freaked out? How many, again, how many of you ladies, if an animal talked to you, you would go get a drug test. He's like, I'm not doing good. (laughs) They were used to the seen and the unseen realm being connected. Let me say this, after we rise from the dead, heaven and earth will come together. The seen and the unseen will come together. God's family in the unseen realm and God's family in the seen realm will come together. You're gonna spend eternity having conversations with members of the divine family. She did, that's why it was not unusual for her. Eden was the connecting point between heaven and earth. It was where the realms came together. Now the serpent said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? That's not what God said. What God said was, eat whatever you want with one exception. Here's the problem. We tend to see God as a law God, not a grace God. 
In the garden, God had a bunch of grace trees, eat whatever you want, one law tree, don't touch that tree. God had far more grace than he did law. Every time Satan gets involved in religion, he creates far more law and far less grace. Okay? So God says, no, God said, no, eat anything you want. There's just one exception. This is like a parent saying, anything in the fridge, anything in the pantry, just don't drink the bleach under the sink. That's not good for you. Okay? And if you're a parent, you need to go home and tell your kids that. That's very important information. So what he says is, no, no, God's a law God, not a grace God. Did he say you can't eat anything? No, no, he said we have total freedom with one exception. God said you should not eat fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Where's the temptation? It's always in the middle. It's always in the middle of the family. It's always in the middle of the marriage. You gotta learn to walk around it. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Did God tell them they couldn't touch it? No, she added to it. See, Satan twists God's word and she adds to God's word. These are the two problems. We either misuse God's word or we add to God's word. So then she took its fruit and ate. Who sinned first, Adam or Eve? Not a trick question. Eve, okay? She took some of its fruit and ate, gave some to her husband. Where was he? He was there. There's an old Puritan proverb that says when Adam was away, Eve fell astray. That's not how it went down. What was Adam doing? Nothing. Okay. What was Adam saying? Nothing. How does spiritual warfare show up in your marriage? Silent, passive men. Okay. Some guys would be like, I didn't do anything. That was the problem. I didn't say anything. That's the problem. God made men to be active, not passive. And you either surrender to the Lord or you surrender to the enemy of the Lord. And if you say and do nothing, you've surrendered to the enemy of the Lord. Let me say this right now. There are, there are 13, 11 to 13 million more women than men in church. 60% of church attenders are women. I was gonna share this statistic on Sunday. There was a, um, there was a, a report put out some years ago by the Baptist Press and the Promise Keepers. If a man regularly attends church, his children, when they become adults, will have a 67 to 75% chance of regularly attending church. If he attends without his wife, those numbers are the same. If the wife goes to church regularly without her husband, when her children become adults, they have a 2% chance of regularly attending church. See, the Bible says that the man is the head of the household. The question is not, are you the head? The question is, are you a good head or a bad head? The question is, are you leading toward the Lord or are you leading away from the Lord? The question is not, are you the leader, but are you an active or a passive leader? Now on the flip side, for you guys that are domineering and overbearing and boorish, you're, you're not loving like Christ loves the church. The essence of being a man is taking responsibility, even when it's not your fault, okay? Here Eve is making her own decisions. Adam did not love her enough to take responsibility. Jesus loves us enough that he will take responsibility for things that are not his fault. Question, when Jesus went to the cross, he died for my sin. Was any of my sin his fault? No. 
But you know what Jesus did? He took that which was my fault and he made it his responsibility. That is the essence of masculine leadership. Even if it's not your fault, it's still your responsibility. And some of you men, you're passive. You're not taking responsibility. And some of you men will say, it's not my fault. I don't care if it's your fault, it's still your responsibility. See, the big problem in spiritual warfare is we tend to think of like Rosemary's baby and Bride of Chucky and, you know, just insanity. And here's what spiritual warfare tends to look like. A passive, silent, cowardly man. And in our culture, we would say that an active man is a toxic man. We would say that a responsible man is, 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 is a bad man. It's because Satan has taken over marketing and messaging and masculinity. And what do we do? We just get our kids addicted. We decriminalize drugs. We, we abort our kids. We, we let the school system brainwash them. Meanwhile, dad just stands back and says, I didn't say anything. That's the problem. Okay? Let's keep in the story. See, some of you are not offended, so we need to keep going. <laughs> Because I believe in equality. I believe in offending everyone equally. So just hang with me if you've not been offended. Okay? She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. The eyes of both of them were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. Now there's not intimacy, there's covering. Now there's not trust, there's distrust and mistrust. And they made themselves loincloths. And they what? They hid from God. They hid from God. among the trees of the garden. Not only are they hiding from God, when you, when you sin and you run from God, you get stupid. Do you really think God's like, where are they? <laughs> right, like, here they are. Shh, stay still, they'll never find us. They'll never find us, right? You ever met a married couple that ran from God and you ask them what they're doing and everything they tell you sounds stupid to you but not to them? Okay, then you've not done any marriage counseling. Okay. And the Lord, they hid themselves. The Lord God called to whom? The man, who sinned first? The woman, who did God call out to first? The man, why? He's, respons he's firstly responsible. He's not solely responsible. There is group guilt. Satan, Eve, and Adam all sin against God. God shows up, he deals with Adam, then Eve, then Satan, because that was supposed to be the order of leadership. You're supposed to love her, and the two of you are supposed to have dominion over him. It says in Romans 5, 12 through 21, that because of one man's sin, the whole race fell. Now who sinned first? Eve, who does God call for first? Adam, who's held firstly responsible? Adam. The key to winning the war in your marriage is that men would take responsibility and lead their family with love in the purposes of God, okay? It continues. The Lord God called to the man, said, where are you? It's a great question I would have for all the men. With your kids, where are you? With your wife, where are you? With your church, where are you? With your daughter's boyfriend, where are you? And he said, I heard, the sound, uh, heard your sound in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. The man said, the woman you gave me, she gave me fruit and I ate. Immediately, so Adam is the Greek word for American. He's a victim. 
Okay, he's a victim, okay? He's a victim, he's like, what happened? I'm a victim. It's like, okay, let's run, let's run this back, Lord. You and me, we were great, remember that? Great. You, you made a woman. I hope she's, you know, not the prototype. I hope we're still in the lab getting this figured out. She's not quite right, this one here. Ever since she showed up, crazy. She got a pet dragon. It's been nuts. It's been nuts. And I'm just sitting there saying and doing nothing. She, she ate something, fed it to me. I'm a victim. Lord, not just the woman, the woman you made. Lord, I forgive you, but you and this girl, you... You guys owe me an apology. You, you, you gave me the, here's what Adam is saying. I think I married the wrong woman. Something that every son of Adam has at least thought once. Okay? If you're a wife, don't ask your husband. I don't want to ruin the whole weekend. <laughs> the woman, so then God comes to the woman and says, well, what happened? So Eve's Pentecostal. Okay, Adam's American, he's a victim. Eve's Pentecostal, the devil made me do it. She pulls that out. Isn't it interesting she doesn't blame her husband? Sometimes women, even when their husbands fail, they will defend their weak failed husbands and they'll make excuses. The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So God drove the man and at the east of the, Eden, or the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim. There's a divine being. See that? And a flaming sword to guard from the tree of life. This was God's grace, because had they continued to eat of the tree of life, they would live forever apart from God. Now, ultimately, there is a breach in God's family in the seen realm. Satan declared war on God's family in the unseen realm, and then God cast them down to earth, Satan then declared war on God's family in the scene realm. Here's what I'm telling you. God is always trying to build a family. Satan is always trying to break it. Okay. Some of you need to know that it's not just you and your spouse and the Lord. You really do have an enemy in your marriage and relationship. Now, tomorrow we're going to deal with a lot of ways you can see spiritual warfare in your marriage but I believe this is a great overlooked category because here's what I think. I think that most of the teaching on marriage and family and sex and gender and relationship, it is absent of the Bible, so it ignores the supernatural and the demonic, and as a result, people are getting attacked and they don't know why, and sometimes they think it's their spouse, and it's not, it's the enemy of them and their spouse. So let me ask the wives a few questions. Number one, where has Satan showed up in your marriage? Satan showed up in their marriage. Ladies, Satan shows up in your marriage. Number two, ladies, what has Satan been saying to you about your marriage? Satan showed up and he had a conversation with Eve about her relationship with God and her relationship with her husband. What has Satan been saying to you? And then ladies, how have you been blame shifting or covering or excuse making for your husband? If you're the daughters of Eve, Genesis is not just what happened, it's what always happens. If Satan attacked their family, do you think he's attacking your family? Yes. If he attacked their marriage, do you think he's attacking your marriage? Yes. 
And what happened is Adam is guilty and then Eve tries to excuse make and blame shift for him. This happens all the time. I've been doing this job long enough. There's a guy not loving and leading. You confront him. Immediately then the wife covers him, defends him. They become like two barrels on a gun. Rather than her saying, you know what? Yeah, I do love him, but he should, he should make some adjustments. He's not leading our family well. Husbands, here's a few questions for you. God asks Adam, and this is really interesting, the first question in the history of the world. I don't never, I never even ever thought of this until this moment. You can tell me if it was the Holy Spirit or not. Okay? The first question in the history of the world is God asking a man what? Where are you? You know what, that, that must mean that that's the most important question. If that's the first question, that must be a very significant question. Son, I made you. I gave you some responsibilities, some duties, some assignments. I also gave you my daughter. Where are you? Where are you? And I would ask you men, where are you? Are you actively present emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially with your wife, with your kids, with your family? Where are you? Number two, this will be very controversial. So there's Adam, Eve, and Satan. Who's supposed to lead the family? Adam. He doesn't lead it. Who leads it? Satan. So men, do you understand that if you do not lead your family, Satan will? This is really serious business. I want you men not to just think about a good time, but a good legacy. You know what's interesting? Here we are thousands of years and billions of people later. And guess what? The decision that Adam made still affects every single one of us. The reason that some of you are wearing a mask is because Adam made a decision to bring death into the world. The point I'm trying to make this, men, is the decisions you make today could affect thousands, millions, billions of people for thousands of years. Most men think about a good time, not a good legacy. Most men think about the path of least resistance and not the path of greatest glory to God. I need you men to have a re-hardwiring of your mind, to not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To say, you know what? Satan is real, and my family and marriage really are under attack. Now telling you men that, do you see it? Do you see how Satan is coming for your wife? He's coming for your kids. He's coming for your covenant. He's coming for your marriage. He's coming for your family. He's coming for your grandkids. He's coming for your legacy. If he went after God's family, he's going after your family. If he went after Adam's family, he's going after your family. And I need all of you men to have your eyes open to see the truth and your hearts open to love the Lord and your lives open to invest in your family. How many of you men, here's another question, you believe that maybe you married the wrong woman? See, as soon as it got hard, that's basically what Adam told God. You gave me a woman, but I, I, I kind of wonder if it was the right woman. 
If you're single, let me tell you this. There's one way to know you married the right one. You married them. Right? So I don't know if I married the right one. If you married them, they're now the right one. That's how this works. Okay. Couple questions for husbands and wives. What is your forbidden fruit? In every marriage, the couple's gonna have some forbidden fruit. For some of you, it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, anger, violence, gambling, spending, selfishness. In every marriage, there is some forbidden fruit. And usually it's in the middle of the marriage, just like it was in the middle of the garden. You're gonna need to learn to walk by it. That's an act of worship. What is your forbidden fruit? Number two, do you see that the storyline of the Bible is that the war comes after the wedding? The storyline of the Bible is wedding, then war. How many of you, that's your experience? How many of you, you thought, I can't wait till we get married and then it's easy. Then you got married and you're like, yeah, it's not like that. I love grace with all my heart, but let me tell you, we've been through war together. Spiritual warfare looks a lot like two people walking in God's will against enemy fire for decades until they can hold their grandkids. That's what it looks like, friends. So is there any hope here? It's been a little dour, been a little, told a few naughty jokes at the front, warmed you up, then it got real dark. I don't know if you noticed that, got real dark. Is there any hope here? No. no, there's none. So I'm gonna close in prayer and then. <laughs> yeah, there's hope. Because God shows up in Genesis three and he promises that his son Jesus Christ is coming as a dragon slayer. That's the good news. Now the bad news is there is a dragon. Good news is there is a dragon slayer. And what he says is, okay, Adam, you blew it. Eve, you blew it. Satan, you blew it. Jesus is gonna fix it, okay? Question, is Jesus coming to forgive Satan and demons? You and I have got a gift for God's human family that he did not offer to his divine family. Some people ask, I don't know, how could God send anyone to hell? My question is always, how could God take anyone to heaven? Hell makes sense. Heaven, to me, that's, that's a conundrum. Because see, when Satan and demons declared war on God in the unseen realm, and they declared war on God's divine family, God didn't send Jesus to live without sin, to die for their sin and to rise so that they could be forgiven and restored into the family. Satan and demons only go to hell, none of them go to heaven. None of the rebellious members of the divine family in the unseen realm, none of them are ever forgiven. None of them get a relationship with God. None of them receive eternal life. Guess what we get? We get a gift that they didn't get. His name is Jesus Christ. And that he comes down to live the life that you and I have not lived. And he dies the death that we should have deserved. 
And on the cross, the Lord Jesus showed us the essence of what it means to truly be a man. And that is to, out of sacrificial love, take responsibility even when it's not your fault. And Jesus went to the cross and he died in our place for our sins. None of it was his fault, but he made it all his responsibility. And let me tell you men, that's the essence of what love is. It's sacrificing for the benefit of someone else so that even if it is not your fault, it becomes your responsibility because you wanna be in relationship with that person so desperately that you will do whatever you can to maintain and secure that relationship. And Jesus died in our place for our sins and he rose conquering Satan's sin, death, hell, the wrath of God. So let me say this, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you need Jesus. If you're here and you're trying to fix your marriage, you can't fix your marriage without Jesus. If you're here because you want to learn some things to make your marriage better, before I give you any principles, I need to tell you about a person named Jesus Christ. That marriage doesn't work, friends, without Jesus. That if Satan is gonna show up in your relationship uninvited, you make sure that Jesus shows up because he's invited. So my question to you would be, do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you serve Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Do you wanna be like Jesus? Are you devoted to Jesus? Have you given your sins to Jesus? Are you inviting Jesus into your marriage? Are you inviting Jesus into your family? You're inviting Jesus into your sexuality. You're inviting Jesus into your parenting. Because let me tell you this, Satan already showed up. You didn't have to invite him. Genesis, did they invite Satan? No, did you invite Satan? No. But see, Jesus is a gentleman. He wants you to invite him. And he comes as the dragon slayer to get rid of that which is demonic, that which is evil, that which brings death and separation. And Jesus alone can take a couple that really is at war and maybe even at war with one another, remove the sin, open their eyes, replace that spirit of deception with the spirit of God and give them a loving, unified, reconciled relationship so that they stand against their enemy and they don't think that one another is the enemy. There are not two people in your marriage. There are not three. There are four. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to hold hands. And this is you together as a couple in the sight and presence of God, unifying against the demonic forces that wanna divide, defeat, discourage, and destroy you, okay? And I'm just gonna pray for you. Father God, I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. And God, I know this is a bit of an odd talk, a spiritual warfare talk at a marriage conference. But Lord, as we look at marriages in our country, we see war. When we see parenting and family in our culture, we see war. God, there are so many problems in this world, so much division in this world, so much hatred in this world, so much bitterness in this world, so much animosity in this world. But Lord God, it ultimately started in another world. And God, just as Satan brought division and hostility down to this world. So Holy Spirit, you bring forgiveness, you bring peace, you bring love, you bring joy. God, right now I ask that you would open the eyes of men and women to see where the enemy has been in their life. 
Holy Spirit, please reveal to them what has he said to them? What has he tempted them? How has he lied to them? How has he deceived them? How has he isolated them? How has he confused them? How has he tormented them? How has he abused them? And Holy Spirit, I ask right now in the strong name of Jesus Christ, that they would see where the enemy has been at work and that they would now cancel strongholds and footholds, that they would invite the Holy Spirit and the grace of God through Jesus Christ to heal those broken places, to illuminate those dark places, to bring faith into those fear-filled places. And God, I pray right now for these marriages and these relationships. And God, I confess in your presence, in the presence of these people, that there were days and times that I thought grace was my enemy. And behind it all was the enemy who was attacking us both and lying to me and wanting me to walk away from Jesus and side with him at war against God and my wife. And God, we are living in unprecedented, unparalleled times of war, spiritual, emotional, physical, relational, cultural war. And God, I pray that the division would stop at our marriages. I pray that husbands and wives would be unified in Christ. I pray that God, men would lovingly take responsibility to lead and exercise humble authority. God, I pray that they would be the ones praying with their wives and over their wives, that they would be the ones initiating church attendance and Bible reading and service and sacrifice with their children. And Lord God, as this world gets darker, I pray that the men would go deeper. And I pray against the enemy of servants, their works and effects. And God, I pray for the bit of time we have together tonight and tomorrow, that Holy Spirit, you would open the understanding of men and women, that you would give them a sense of clarity and truth, and that you would awaken in them a sense of emergency, that ultimately Satan is coming for their family as he came for God's family and Adam and Eve's family. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen us, that we would continue to stand with you and for you, holding hands, loving one another until we see you face to face when you come again to reconcile the realms, to raise the dead, and to restore all that the enemy has stolen in Jesus' good name. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Real Marriage Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a five-star review. We love to hear how this podcast encourages and helps you.